Hello and welcome back to Chicks and Balls, the podcast, a sports podcast by women about more than women's sport. On today's show, our favourite Paralympic moment so far and why on earth aren't our medal winners being compensated? The on-field controversies and off-field outrage around Toby Green and Latrell Mitchell and how far we've come five years on from Colin Kaepernick's first kneeling protest. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Marley Silva, and as always, I am joined by my slightly flustered, on the one hand, co-host, and very relaxed other co-host. That's Georgia Moore and Kelly Silva, respectively. Girls, how are you? How was your week? Respectively. <laughs> yeah, because I was saying I flustered and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. I'm obviously the relaxed one. Um, yeah, not bad, not bad. Um, same old. Like, There's not really much to do. I actually, <gasps> actually... Actually, today was a great day because about two hours ago, I got tagged in something on Facebook. Shout out to Joel Holdsworth. And Dennis Rodman is going to be in a film. And it is called 48 Hours in Vegas. And it's about his infamous Vegas bender during the 1998 NBA Finals. Oh, it's a documentary. Or is he playing himself Himself in a a biopic? Potentially in a film. Yeah. Wow. I know. And I found that out. So I'm very excited. I don't know when it'll be, but hey, that's some pretty fun news. That is really great. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for providing that information, Joel Holdsworth. Georgia, how's your week? Bit flustered. Bit flustered. Uh, No, feeling better now. Um, Week's been good. Same old. I spent my weekend packing for some departing Storm players, which is always sad. They won't get to come back to Melbourne. Um, Oh, at all. But do you know what? At all, yeah. Whoa. Um, but it was something to do. Yeah, okay. So, you know what? We're grateful. Yeah, nice. How are you, Marley? Oh, thanks for asking. I've noticed you guys don't ask me. Okay, that's a lie because you. I have asked. Okay, well, my week, uh, yeah, same old, same old, pretty boring. Um, Keely and I were just doing a bit of listening to Kanye West's Donda album that is finally out. And there's actually, I was a bit, you know, sceptical. I didn't do any of the listening party stuff, but there's a couple of bangers in there. So that's going to be... Were you really sceptical that a Kanye album wouldn't have bangers? Yeah, I've been disappointed in the last, you know, really? the, the some of the, some of the um the more gospely ones of no, I'm not saying it's completely I'm not going to no, say No, there are some bangers in this one. That in the past, yeah, I've been I've been let down by Kanye and I and I get a little bit worried about him. You know who we don't get let down by and we're very excited about? The Drake album the Drake that's coming. Album. <laughs> anyway, this is not a music podcast. It's a sports sports <laughs> podcast. Let's get into the first segment. <laughs> Feedback feels with kills. Hey, guys. A uh, bit of a jam- jam-packed one this week, which is so exciting. Um, but uh, on the back of last week, if you didn't listen, we had a bit of fun. We made up some footy teams and Marley and I both picked Byron Bay. Um, shout out to Gabrielle Brook, who replied to us after that episode was released and said she thought of a name for the cow. Um, and she said Clifton. And yeah, I'm happy. Like we can call him Cliffy. Cliffy, I think like that's Cliffy line. Yeah, like that. That uh, yeah. like one of the one of the greats. One of the greats. Yeah, I think that works. And on the back of that, we have to give a shout out to Katie Brown, who may or may not be coming on the podcast soon. Yeah. Um, at, she's a legend, and she listened, and she said that she loved it, and she told us that her favorite cow breed is the Belted Galloway. Now, these cows, if you don't know, you should Google. They're like they look like Oreos. What? Yeah, it's like. Straight down, black, oh, white, belted. black. Oh, yeah. my goodness. And there's red ones too. Anyways, so Cliffy's going to be a red one. Yep. And then Oreo's going to be the black one. Also, you're going to have two. Then we're going to be able two cows. Nice. And then we also need to shout out Taylor Delaforce. I don't know if that's how I say it. Um, who sent us a TikTok of these <laughs> girls who were, may or may not have been slightly intoxicated who were roller skating in Byron Bay falling all over the road and she said um i think this is pretty much this is you you know your vibe and i was like we're all very impressed i'm pretty sure she said this is so byron bay bongos vibes yeah yeah that's iconic iconic uh we also have to give a shout out to g moore's friend bez who um has been really enjoying the podcast and listens to it every week when he's driving his ambulance and um do you want to jump in just give a shout out to your friend. Oh, just Bez knows I love him the most ever. So if you're listening, <laughs> hi Bez, and I love you. But he's one of our awesome frontline workers. So like, shout out because Massive he's doing obviously out. awesome stuff in in the Ambo. Yep, and 
He says that we're the highlight of his Thursdays. That's pretty... Stop it. Pretty fun. Two big shout-outs to two young girls who are doing online schooling. One of them, Holly Deersley, the other, Abby Miller. And they both separately sent us messages saying that they absolutely love the podcast. Abby actually binged like six episodes in one day and said that it's really helping with online school, helping them connect with sport. Um, Holly's a shy gal, so shout out to So her. is Abby. We know Abby. I know, but I'm just saying. Yeah. We, don't, we don't know Holly. <laughs> okay, sorry. We know Abby. Anyway, um, shout out to them too because it's really nice to hear. Um, and then Ash's Fitness, she put us in her gratefuls this week. Ash, we're grateful for you. And then um, Ellie Cur- Curlis. She just um, put us on a story and said she really loved the podcast. <sighs> well, staying um, a lot. With, with Ellie, just quickly, because I thought this was an important part to keep um, in the feedback, because not only is the feedback just, like, really good for our egos and, like, they, people say nice things about us, but often we find that our listeners are, are smarter and more in tune with us. Yes. Uh, um, with than us. Than us, sorry, rather. <laughs> See, exactly, proving my point. So on Ellie is a champion, right? She's um, really into her netball. She actually uh, writes a little bit for the netball post, which um, you can find on Instagram. They, I mean, now that the season's over, um, you know, obviously it's not going to be super up to date, but we've got a few international games coming up. So, yeah, get around that. But she wanted to... Um, keep us filled in on this like really bizarre kind of a thing happening on social media at the moment you you probably would have seen over the weekend um our giants lost in the grand final which was very very sad but the swifts won so like congrats and they got to hang out with patty mills and it was really hectic and whatever yeah we're not sour at (laughs) all yeah we're not sour at all but like congratulations (laughs) to them yeah whatever um it's also been revealed that maddie proud who is the captain of the swifts who's um, a freak of nature co-captain co-captain of the swifts sorry she's so good and um, she played that grand final with a broken rib, which is like, what a freak. We that love is that. unbelievable. Um, so much strength. She's amazing. But anyway, um, her teammate, Sophie Garbin, uh, tweeted, and you might have seen this, Georgia. She actually reposted the article about about Maddie uh, having had the broken rib, whatever, saying, bit dramatic if you ask me. She has another 23 that are perfectly fine, which is exactly what we would say about each other yeah. in this situation. Well, I'm going to make a comment when you finish this. And then someone has obviously, one, doesn't know who Sophie is, and two, is taking this way too seriously, responded to her saying, Sophie Garbin, you're a disgrace. I'd like to see you play a game of netball or any sport for that matter with a broken rib. I bet you don't play sport. I bet you, you're just a keyboard warrior who gives opinions about things they, don't, they can't do, about people they will never be. You suck. And the girls are having quite a bit of fun with it on their stories. But it's just like so hilarious because how embarrassing for that person who's thought they're coming out in defence of a player. Well, it's going to say they're obviously coming from a nice place. Yeah. Because they're they're, trying yeah but to also like going a bit hard. Also yeah, definition of suck. someone who reads a headline and not the yeah. article. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like click on her name and look oh at her bio, God. you idiot. And also like wow, lucky that we're not really well known because holy moly, the things I say about you, Marley. Wow. But it, it, we're also yeah, the first to take the piss. But it was a weird thing to kind of watch unfold and like so of this era when all we're doing is like being on social media and stuff. But I appreciate you pointing that out, Ellie, because I had a bit of a laugh um, but also like a little bit disappointed because I know that Sophie's copped some other stuff this week because she's been posting like TikToks about with her and the medal and the trophy and that kind of thing. So people mate, being like, won. you're bragging. It's like, yeah, no crap, mate. Like the, um, this, they won. I won an amateur bloody touch state cup i didn't take off my medal for 48 hours Ah, i got pissed ah. in it and i woke up and i was still drunk and i had my medal around my neck like come on man love it love it anyway winners win you're allowed to do what you want congrats swifts yeah keep keep celebrating rubbing it in it's hurting but we're happy for you i have one final shout out before we move on it's trace's birthday when we're recording it's tomorrow but mum when you're listening it will have been yesterday i know you listen on your drive to work so Love you. Have a good day. Oh, happy birthday, Happy birthday. Absolute legend. Tell you what, Trace, Virgos are the best. I know that myself. I'm not going to lie. She might be my favourite more. (gasps) (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just want to see your face. (laughs) G-Mo is going to punch you through the screen. I'll cop it. That's (laughs) fair enough, No, we need to tell the fun fact about Tracy Moore. That G-Moore has inherited. We need to tell it. Yeah, my mum... The le- she's going to hate me saying this too, huh? Sorry, um, <laughs> that's my fault. Can skull a beer standing on her head. And she and she passed it down and so can I. Not oh. beer though, not a big fan, but like a seltzer, which I think is harder because the bubbles go yes. up your nose. Yep. I'm beyond impressed. Amazing. Yeah, she's the greatest. We love you, Trace. <laughs> Good feedback. 
Now it's time for a segment that we call Around the Grounds, where we dive into the biggest headlines in sports media from the week. And to kick us off, we've seen a week of absolute brilliance already in these Paralympic Games. And just like what we saw in the Olympics, our Aussies are once again cleaning up in Tokyo, bringing us joy not only with plenty of silverware, but even more so with each athlete's inspiring personal story of triumph. And you can be sure us chicks have been shedding quite a few tears once again. So let's start by what were your personal highlights from the um, first week of the Paralympics, girls? Was there anything that stood out for you guys? It's hard to pick. One in particular stood out for me. Um, and it is Maddie De Rosario. De oh, Rosario. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, freak of nature, so good. Um, and I feel she, like she's a bit of a poster girl as well. Like, you know who she is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she won the gold in the 800 metres. Yeah. T53. Um, I'm still learning about all the cl- cl- uh, classifications, yeah. but um, it's cool. I'm enjoying it. We've got it on at work. Which is really good. So it means, like, just like the um, the Olympics, I'm just watching. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what about you, G? I know you've been watching quite intently. I have been a great, just like the one bonus of being like working from home in lockdown, similar to when the Olympics is on. You can just have it running all day. Obviously, a massive highlight for me was watching good friend Katie Kelly, who ran sixth in the. Um, well, I also don't know the category, but the vision impaired triathlon. And she just was phenomenal as always. Um, But also Reid McCracken, who's a fellow Wide Bay boy. He's from Bundaberg, Queensland, and he is at his fourth Paralympics and he's only 24. What? Um, So he competed in the 100 metres T34 in the athletics and got silver, I believe. Amazing. Um, he's got silver at every so four Paralympics he has, and he's already planning for Paris. So, I just think, what a guy, what a legend, How wide good. bay represent. Um, my personal favorite moment that caused me to sob uncontrollably um, was when <laughs> Katia Dedekind she won Paralympic bronze, um, and she finds out in her interview. Um, oh, yeah. And because she, she, she couldn't see the screen and no one had told her what she raced. She knew she'd swum a PB. Um, and so it's actually the reporter who tells her she, that she's just won bronze and her like she just starts crying. And then the reporter she's like, I don't really know it. what's going on. And yeah. then they tell her and she's like. And then the reporter's, reporter's crying. crying. And then all, like that's what threw me. She yeah. I heard her choke up. I was like, oh, no, we're all doing this. Okay, yeah. we're all doing it together. <laughs> I mean, it's been unreal. And like there's just, I think, we know a lot more of the Olympians, you know, probably just because of um, the way that things are reported and we're about to dive into a lot of the inequalities that exist. But learning about these incredible athletes and their their stories is, oh, it's just so amazing. And again, so inspiring, I think, coming at the perfect time. And um, for context, we're currently sitting in fifth spot in the medal tally. And when I looked this up, we had 49 medals, but I also read about a new silver that we just won literally in the last hour so I don't even know if that number is completely up to date so we're killing it but the excellence and celebration that has been coming through these games has been marred by a really astonishing and quite frankly disgraceful revelation while our Olympians bring home 20 15 and ten thousand dollar bonuses for bringing home a gold silver or bronze respectively our Paralympians who as the name suggests are supposed to be competing parallel to the Olympians, don't get a cent for their wins. So how in 2021 is this justifiable? Because I wanted to ask what, because this was like shared around quite a bit on social media this week, people finding this out for the first time. What was your reaction when you realised that our champions on this stage are not going to be rewarded? I felt uh, embarrassed and ashamed Um, that we're not giving them anything. And I think uh, it's a bit of a punch in the face because we like to advertise us as a, you know, accepting community, which we are, and we build a lot of, um, you know, accessible things for people who are impaired and we have a lot of opportunities and we try and be equal in that sense. And um, we've we've come a long way um, and obviously we see lots of things now and, you know, anyone who has some sort of impairment can do almost anything that anyone else can do and so I'm like so why is this why is that why is this stopped then why is this not a thing I don't get it I don't know it was yeah it was frustrating for me I just think for me obviously the same feelings as everyone else and in a sort of bittersweet turn I guess 
it was another one of those moments that sort of transcended sport when it came to social media and it was really became a community issue didn't sort of stay in its silo which is um yeah like I said bittersweet I think for me the theme that I have sort of thought about since you know the build-up to the Paralympic Games this year and have seen a lot of athletes echoing amongst each other is they're like every time someone celebrates a medal or an amazing achievement their statement is always like we're not a sideshow and we're athletes and we're competitive and we're here and we're not just here to make up the numbers we're here to compete and to inspire and Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel far more inspired by para-athletes than, don't get me wrong, our able-bodied athletes are phenomenal, hardworking humans, but it's a really different storyline. So I don't know, for me, it's a really uncomfortable feeling because it's sort of one of those like, I don't know if it's like tokenism or what it is that our we lift these athletes up and how great are they and you know they're so inspiring and every big brand has been jumping on using poster athletes and stuff like that but it's like is it's sort of that surface level appreciation of them clearly because you know amateur athletes able-bodied amateur athletes struggle to we spoke about someone who was still working at Woolies yeah and so you can only imagine the amount of further support Mm. that these impaired athletes require. And I just think if we're not putting our money where our mouth is in terms of celebrating them as real competitors and real athletes and not a sideshow, like what's it for? Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. It's actually such a good point. That's that's the perfect question I think to sum it up. Like what's, what's the point then if it's not to um, showcase the best in the world in, in the sports that they do, you know? And to be fair, I think if you ask most of them and our able-bodied Olympics as well, do you do it for the money? Yeah. They'd say no. Like, I'm sure most of them would be more than happy to go to the games without it. Yeah. That's sort of not the point. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I just don't understand why it's just not equal across the board. They're all doing these amazing things and they're all competing in these hard events and they're excelling at them mm. and they're the best in the business and you want to give money to one group but you don't want to give money to the other. I just don't understand that. Split the funding then if that's the way it has to go. For context, because the Paralympic Committee does operate completely separate to the Olympic Committee, um, but like so that's I guess logistically where, where that problem would happen. But contextually the Paralympic Committee is basically fundamentally broke they don't have any money but this is like something that we spoke about in our group chat this week as well g because you brought it to our attention gina reinhardt who's the richest woman in australia well she was i don't know if she is still the richest woman in australia um she on you know single-handedly saved the olympics basically and funded a lot of sports um in the olympics this year and it's been able to go ahead because of um her exceptional wealth and her funding of that so there's actually been a few people that have come out and said that the Paralympics need someone who's a philanthropist in that sense to do the same for them to to have the same funding it feels strange because you do expect government to be funding this um but that's just some of the reading that I've done I don't know how I feel about that but that's that's what has been said what's the point of like I said before, like why are we advertising that we're, you know, a fully accessible community? We want to build up these equal opportunities. Um, we want to do all these things if they're not going to at least fund the other side of it. Like this is the, you know, this is what young kids who have impairments, this is the cool side, you know. When you're a young kid, you're looking up and you're like, this is cool. I think also because I saw so many um, people talking about if you're a teacher or if your kids are at home learning uh, to use this as a really important education tool uh, for teaching kids about uh, people who have disabilities and, and how to, to normalise it and to treat um people as they should be treated but I think if you are trying to do that and they're not being paid it's still giving this subliminal message that they are less than so, yeah 100% yeah. and if this whole COVID experience has taught us anything it's that sport as is a pivotal part of our happiness as a species and whether that's watching so it, give them the damn money so come on please guys. please <laughs> Over the weekend, we saw two on-field incidents in the AFL and NRL. Some might call them brain snaps, others might see malice and have called them disgusting or disgraceful acts. But regardless, I think we can all agree they've dominated discussion across the media since they've occurred, sparking discussion about how warranted the response and punishments have been and whether the response 
has been impacted by the reputation of the players involved. If you are into footy of any code, I'm pretty sure you know what we're talking about. The first of these incidents happened this past Friday night in an extremely fiery matchup between the South Sydney Rabbitohs and Sydney Roosters in the NRL when South fullback Latrell Mitchell made a careless tackle on the Roosters' Joey Manu, effectively ending both their seasons. Girls, did you guys watch this game live and see it happen? I didn't watch it live. Um, You'll find out why later in the episode. Um, But I saw the replay. Actually, no. Initially, I saw the photo on NRL Physio. Um, Shout out to our mate of the show. Um, Like two minutes after it happened. No, that was not sweet. That video made me physically ill. Yeah, when he blows it. But initially, it was just a photo. So I just saw the photo and I was like holy shit, look at Joey Manu's face. And then I scrolled and I saw everyone commenting, Latrell, you grub, you know, all that yeah, yeah. jazz. And so I went and found the replay. And my initial reaction was, I was angry. I was very angry. Yeah. I in I don't care who it is, what sport, watching something like that happen, it made me angry because it looked, I don't think, like, it's not intentional, but it looked really careless and I think it could have 100% been avoided and I don't like seeing that. Like, there's a difference, in my opinion, it's got nothing to do with Latrell because I love him. He's a great person. But anyone, there's a difference between being aggressive and competitive and being dirty and I just don't like the way that he went in for it. That's just my careless opinion. is the perfect word. Yeah, careless is, and you used, you already said careless, so. yeah. How did you feel, G? Were you watching it live? I wasn't watching it live, but my mum texted me oh, straight okay. away yeah. and was like, oh, my God, that Latrell hit. And I changed over in time for the thousand replays yeah. of it. Um, I have to agree. It's hard for me to not – like, if that was one of my favourite players or someone that I knew personally, would I think differently of it? Probably. It's sort of hard to be not biased in these situations. But, yeah, I thought it was completely careless. And just a bit – sad because you like Latrell and I think I said to you guys too like they were winning it wasn't like this sort of tantrum we're losing I'm giving in hit it was just this really and I I don't know I think what hurt us the most and Marley and I spoke about this quite a few times and we even said it in our group chat is that Joey Marnie wasn't even like you know really aggressive or angry after or you know wanting to start a fight or something you could see he was really hurt and they were really close at the Roosters like you know they were three and four and I know that like on Joey's Instagram someone shared it after and it was a photo of them and they were really close and I think he was kind of just like why'd you do this man I think that's kind of what he says he goes bro what'd you do that for yeah like and I I think that's where I it hurt me the most because I was thinking fire out imagine versing like one of your good mates that you've been on a different team and like I said there is a difference between being competitive because if you're going for the try whatever but I just I, I don't know it's made me sad so I have a different perspective the whole situation made me sad I mean I, I completely agree I, I feel really sad about it um, because it's ended two seasons in one hit you know quite literally but the weird thing about watching it live because I did I, was, I watched the whole game in that live coverage you saw Joey go down and not get back up, but there wasn't a focus on it until there was a stop in play. So there was a lot of criticism after. Yeah, because Trent Robinson was, yeah, commented on that. And he was talking and he's about... he's been fined for that too. Yeah, yeah, nice big 20K fine that Uncle Nick would have covered, but it's all right. So, yeah, so that was really interesting because it went from Joey's not got back up and no one really saw it and it took quite a bit of time, you know, a solid 30 seconds before it, it kind of happened. And it took Joey getting up and walking over to Latrell and going, bro, why did you do that? For everyone to pay attention. And then it got really, really intense really quickly. And it was, you know, a careless tackle and whatever. But what I found was more of a problem because it's part of the sport, you know, that that contact and high tackles. And, you know, I've watched friends of mine make those tackles and I've also watched friends of mine being at, at the receiving end. I was going to say, we, we can have. reflect on Tyrell and Ryan Papps. Exactly. We, that was Back in on Magic Round. So we watched from both sides of it, whatever, whatever. But the thing that made it more intense and I think the reason that it was such a massive talking point, like literally everyone's been talking about it and it's been everywhere, was because once Latrell was simbined and when he came back on, his response to scoring a try and smashing the ball down next to the guy on the ground was too much for me. And it was – I think people had difficulties with – 
the what was perceived as a lack of humility. He's fired up because of the game, but I'm talking about the way it's perceived. I'm not trying to make a comment on what he was actually thinking because who knows? Only he can speak to that. But everyone was more fired up because he came on and there was no kind of perceived remorse for what he'd done or, um, you know, whatever. He was just like ready to kill someone and start another fight. Yeah. I think fuel to the fire on that is that yeah. he is an ex-rooster. Like mm. that just added a whole new dynamic to it that they, it was his mate. A lot of people in that field were like, we're mates. What are you doing? Yeah. So that – and I, I agree with what you said though. It was just a, the dynamics of it. And then even, you know, after the game between Bennett and – Robinson like it just didn't it just sort of snowballed so in the other footy code in the AFL on Saturday the second incident happened and this was in the um, do or die semi-final between the the GWS Giants and the Sydney Swans and the Giants um, player Toby Green had a very bizarre kind of brain snap moment where at the three-quarter time he looked like he was going up to talk to the umpire, um, Matt Stevick, and bumped him. So making contact with an umpire is like a massive no-no. I think making with any kind of game official in any sport, you just don't do it. And then you saw that clip of him touching this umpire replayed again and again and again. And he has subsequently uh, been banned for three games and mean even if the Giants make the the grand final, which we don't think they will, um, he won't be playing. So that was a really weird one. Yeah. Yeah. I just think, like you said, and then someone who made a comment on our Instagram post, I was like, yep, 100% nailed it on the head. Just like it doesn't matter what happens, what circumstance, nothing. Even if it's unintentional, you're walking really close to them. You never make contact that looks somewhat a little bit forceful towards any game official ever. That's just like an unspoken rule. Just don't yeah. do it. That's just silly. Like, Georgia, I know that you had a um, a bit of a perspective about this one around how many games he got. Yeah, I. Um, it is an interesting one. I feel probably similarly to Latrell. Um, Toby Green is a love-to-hate villain of the AFL. He spends a lot of time at the judiciary um, (laughs) and he's an aggressive player. And, look, I'm not a massive fan mainly because there's this, like, big rivalry between him and Bont and, obviously, I love Bont. But I can appreciate that he's a a class player and he really has carried the Giants through to the finals and he's aggressive and that's why he's good. So it sort of goes hand-in-hand with his style of play. It doesn't make it right. Um... But because of the amount of time he spends at the judiciary, the term Toby tax is often thrown around on that he gets more than other people would get or he gets more, whether that's weeks, fines, media attention, the whole lot. The Toby tax is very true. I initially today when I heard the three weeks, I was like, oof, that's a lot. Lockie Neal is a sort of good boy of the AFL and he plays for the Lions, he was fined $1,500 and not suspended at all for technically the same class of offence last year, I believe, or perhaps earlier in this season. Um, If you look at the two incidences side by side, they're not the same. Lockie sort of puts his hand on the shoulder of a referee. Lockie sort of, I mean, Toby gives a good aggressive nudge to the referee. So looking at them, they're different in terms of severity, I would say, but they were fined, sanctioned under the same sort of class in terms of like the severity of two head high tackles can be different, but it's still a head high tackle, if that sort of makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that makes sense. So a lot of people being like, oh, well, Lockie didn't get any games and this and that. Uh, Player David King from North just tweeted, Toby was found guilty of disrespectful, demonstrative and aggressive conduct towards an umpire, then got only three weeks. Are we really ensuring the umpires are an absolute no-go zone? What would need to happen for a four or six-week sanction as prosecution called for? So I think the further I think about it, the idea that it's Toby and that it's finals sort of adds the like, oh, you want him playing narrative, but if this was a no-name early in the season and it had no real impact on the year, you'd be thinking, surely you need to be slapping harder sanctions on that to make sure people know that it's absolutely not appropriate. Mm. So I think, yeah. yeah. I think that's a really impo- important point to, to bring it. It's about setting a precedence when it comes to, you know, making contact with a game official is bizarre. Yeah. But 
to take a bit of a bigger picture look and why we put these two stories together is because I think both Latrell and Toby in their respective codes have a reputation or have an ability to ignite conversation in audiences regardless of what it's about. Um, and I think the one of the strange – well, I don't know if it's strange in the sense that it's surprising, but it's just strange to watch how – a lot of people are very, very emotional in their response to um, both of these things and talk about it as being a really big, you know, scar on the game and impacting on such a bigger scale than what I think is is probably necessary. Like, that's the thing that I find very strange. And, um, yeah, I guess the thing I wanted to talk about is how big a part does the reputation that these players have play in this story i this is a hard question i don't think think you can measure it like i think one of the best examples of it is look at billy slater in that lead up to the grand final in 2019 i've never ever seen anything with that amount of coverage that amount of media attention of course it was a grand final but the sway that the fact that it was Billy Slater had on that, I just think is such an easy demonstration to point to not all players, quote unquote, are made equal. equal. Like, and not all scandals or suspensions are made. Like, I don't think you can ever underestimate the media pressure on codes. Mm, Absolutely. When it comes to personalities, people want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think you have to be aware of, you know, your reputation on the field and how that affects you off the field. And Mm -hmm. I think it should be taken into account um, season by season. So I think if Latrell had a really clean season, then in my head I'm thinking, well, he's had a good preseason and he wants to start well and he wants to be good this whole year. But he's had a few other incidences this year. Three other times. Yeah, and like they were big ones. And also he missed out on the finals last year because Mm -hmm. of a similar incident. So I think it's kind of like based like contextually it's kind of like oh well you know if he had a really good season last year and he, he's had a good preseason he comes in and i'm only losing using latrell as an example i'm not making like you know a general yeah no, yeah no. i'm not yeah anyway um and he comes in this year and he hasn't had any instances and this is the first one then different story but i mm. think you just have to be mindful like Toby Green has the Toby tax. Like Toby Green missed the 2019 grand final. That's yeah. what I mean. A judicial like, so you, I think yeah. you and we all saw what that did for the Giants. I just think there's got to be a little bit of accountability too on the other set, side of it. Like I, I know that, that on the players' side or on the official side, both. Yeah, and I think that like unfortunately, and it shouldn't be the case that some players do have targets on their backs yeah. and it needs to be case by case. It's just mm. got to be case by case. And you just, I don't know how you make it fairer, but I, I just think, you know, you're as good as your season. I think it should be on a season base mm. um, and how consistent you are. I don't think it needs to be, oh, but last year, oh, but, you know, two years ago, like that's yeah. irrelevant. I know that he's been really well behaved and he's learnt from this and he's doing really well this year. This is one incident. I'm not going to give him six weeks or whatever it is. Yeah. So you're not you're saying like these incidents are not black and white. There's not just like a blanket like you do this, you get six weeks. I don't know if there's like I don't know if you can like G said like mm. I don't know if you can do that. Like it's all well and good to say it, but I mean like you were saying, there's still subjectiveness about you know two high um, head high tackles like. I don't know. It's so hard. The problem is the people making the decisions, you want them to be the most informed people on the game and the context. But picking then the most informed people on the game and the context means that you have people (laughs) who are invested in the sport that they're on the jury for. So you can't just be like, oh, let's get a – it's not like real court. You can't get an impartial jury because they won't understand the context. So, (laughs) yeah, I just think that we would be very naive to think that player personalities doesn't come into effect because you just can't like disregard the impact that a Toby Green or a Latrell Mitchell has and you know when it's all anyone's talking about the pressure to make the right decision is only that's what I was gonna say as well like obviously this is what our whole conversation is on but the media obviously play a massive part in it massive you know what turnaround's gonna be imagine if Latrell got two weeks and he's back like imagine yeah. It would yeah. have just been an uproar. Wouldn't I, I think it might not even have been worth it. Like yeah. the person making the decision is probably like, you know what? It's not even worth what I'm going to cop if I don't, you know, do this. Yeah. And so I guess like when I 
I wrote the little post about it that we, we put in our um, Instagram and most of the, the comments on it were like really good and healthy and I think that Constructive. The, the point that I wanted to emphasise in the caption that I wrote was that, yep, it was terrible tackle. It was awful to watch. It was terrible. And like for me personally, I found it really uncomfortable how he responded when he came back on and in the heat of the moment, whatever. And we're allowed as fans to to feel that. But the point I wanted to emphasize was at the end of the day, he's a real person and he comes off the field and he's a dad and he's a human and he's someone who has also received disgusting comments because he's black for such a long time, for most of his career. That has nothing to do with him being a footballer. It's just he's a target because he's in the public eye. Well, so, I- so, you know, when you are making these criticisms, make it about the game don't oh. make it about him as a person because you don't know him from a bar so and he's one of the most community-minded people in the sport and he's you know? lovely and he's a really kind human yeah. and he's someone i've always had really positive interactions with and i couldn't say a bad word about him That's you know what, but, in that sense but i think we might be a little bit different because when i talk about this i'm talking purely in a football yeah. manner yeah. i'm talking about him as a football player it's got nothing to do with if I saw him down the street, I'd be like, hey, how you on, man? I wouldn't yep. even bring up the game. But like, so many people forget I that. I know, they, that's what I'm saying. Because they don't see them as real humans, you know, that when there's so much emotion involved. I'm not going to say every person's like this. Of course not. Yeah. But there's definitely people who, who take it personally. At the end of the day, we're not officials and we can comment. And they're also just It needs to be people. separation yeah. of this is the footy game and this is what they play. And yeah. they are people and they do everyday people things like us and that yeah. just needs to be it. Yeah. And when they put their uniform on, they're playing. It's like, I don't know, it's, I was going to make an analogy but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> the 26th of August marked the one-year anniversary of one of the most impacting and large-scale protests in sporting history. As players in the NBA stopped the sporting world by boycotting their games in response to the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The walkouts also were across the baseball, the women's NBA and the NFL as well. It began with the Milwaukee Bucks players whose home arena sits 30 miles north of Kenosha who refused to take the court for their game against the Orlando Magic and resulted in three scheduled NBA games for the day being cancelled. A huge statement in the bubble the players were living in in Disney World to have the comp go ahead at all. Whether by coincidence or not, the strike fell on the fourth anniversary on a similarly significant protest made by former San Fran 49ers NFL player Colin Kaepernick when he kneeled during the American National Anthem back in 2016 to make a statement about the racial inequalities in America and inadvertently started a movement of kneeling and major discussion within the sport, the country of America and across the globe. Now, five years on, where are we? As a human race when it comes to race relations, where are the NBA and NFL and sport in dealing with this? And where are we when it comes to protesting in sport? Specifically, how is Australia looking in comparison to the rest of the world? It's a big topic. (laughs) It's big, man. Wow, we... I think in reading up about this a year on, I don't know if it was just because there was a lot of other stuff going on in our context as as Australia or other things that I was focusing on, but I don't think I personally understood the weight of what those NBA players did to make that statement and have those games not go ahead at all. Like I think rereading it again, I'm like, that's that's a really big thing to do. I just wanted to make a point on the back of that and then you can continue, is that isn't this, especially you guys make great points about it and I always agree because I'm always like, yes, you just said everything I'm thinking of. But this is what we have spoken about a lot in mm. the last few episodes is how much of an impact our athletes can make and how much they can spread the word and how essentially them protesting first is how it goes into the community and then we protest underneath them and how important that communication is from the top athletes so i think it doesn't surprise me and i think that's the way the way that we're going um you know when g asked the question where are we when it comes to protesting sport i think that's where we're at it comes from the athletes first and then we follow 
I well, well like, I not just, in that sense. That was a bad way to word it. Yeah, but the the athletes they're the ones who help influence the change. I think they help normalize conversations that are really okay. difficult to See, have. You worded it better. No, no. I'm just saying. I think that in America, it's it's hard to say that they led that because Black Lives Matter has been happening for a long time. Unfortunately, because of what's been happening on the ground. Not the specific example I was making. Okay. Well, I'm just saying that when it comes to the the particular issue that they made them do this walk off and, and that kind of stuff, you're right. And I agree in the sense that it forces the hand of bigger players yes. when when athletes get involved. They have the ability to tap into an audience that isn't always politically inclined yeah. and to influence a lot of young people who admire these athletes and want to be like them and, quite frankly, will follow them blindly a lot of the time to yeah. take similar stances. I Very irrelevant, but I was watching the – Taylor Swift reputation documentary for the first time not that long ago <laughs> and she it was like 500,000 additional young people registered to vote the day after she posted so I know she's a musician and we're talking about athletes but it's the permission that these people give young people to maybe disagree with their parents or to disagree with the norm or to put their hand up and participate in something whether it's a conversation or a protest that they wouldn't usually do without that sort of like almost support because a lot of young people have these relationships and you know sometimes it's negative we talk about people taking things personally in sport and feeling like they have permission to enter the dms of an athlete but sometimes it works really positive because they feel like they know LeBron James. Mm. They'll never meet him. They've never had a conversation with him. Will probably never happen. But they feel like they have that access to his life, that they know him, and therefore he is personally supporting and encouraging their choices. So I agree with you, Keely, in that it, they just unlock a whole different area of communities to participate in mm. the causes that they're fighting for. And I, th- and I think as well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but for me, you know, this never used to happen back in the day, you know, when we were growing up. And, you know, there were there are moments, I know there's a plenty of moments in history where it did happen, but I just think this is on a larger scale. And whether that's because of social media and everything's everywhere, um, it's great that we can, they can be used in that sense too. I just I re- think we see more of it now. No, I agree. And I've lived a very short 23 years yeah. on this planet <laughs> Same. and I know that you know we look back in history the first black people in the Olympics and the fist and all of those things I I know that there have been many moments that before us that have happened but for me personally this I remember saying it to my mum last year I said this feels like a real watershed moment and she said Georgia these protests have been happening for centuries and reflecting on that now a year later I really don't feel like it's stopped. And for me personally, I know that we're no longer marching on the streets, but the athletes are still speaking about it. The F1 was speaking about it on the weekend. Naomi Osaka is still wearing the names on her masks at events. It, they're still wearing the Black Lives Matter shirts in NBA warm-ups in the preseason games. So for me personally, it feels like the activism hasn't stopped and it has been, well over 365 days of continuous reminding it sort of hasn't the hashtag hasn't you know stopped trending and everything followed suit for me Mm. personally that's like the spaces that I'm looking at and the athletes that I'm following and the audiences that I'm engaged with it feels like it hasn't gone away this quickly this time so then when where do you think we are as Australia then because we're speaking a lot about America and American sport I just don't think we're in a very good spot at all but you know and I think that's because I think it's easier for me to be optimistic about America because the group in America that is the one that we're talking about as African-Americans is one that I'm not part of and I only see it from a surface level. But as an Aboriginal person, we're not in a good position. I don't no. think. I think we're in a better position than what we have been. But when we had our Black Lives Matter protest last year and we I think that our athletes are not as well supported to speak out in the way that – um, the American ones are. And again, this is just surface level, so I can be completely wrong. And, you know, I can only imagine the sort of stuff that a lot of those athletes in the States cop anyway. But, you know, we've just been talking about Latrell Mitchell for the last, um, you know, half of this show. He's copped it the worst, you know, just about or the most publicly in this country for being a proud Aboriginal man. Um, and I just don't think that our players get – when specifically when it comes to athletes as activists, they just – don't get supported as much in this country. I think the 
best example of, um, you know, a sporting institution taking a strong stance and, and doing something that I've seen is actually Cricket Australia. Um, the way that they uh, called all the cricket games that fell on January 26 this year, they did not do any advertising around Australia Day. It was all about January 26. That was something that was really powerful to me. I know they have an Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander advisory council that has a lot of influence and they've really put a lot of investment there. So they're a great example. We have a hell of a long way to go though. Yeah, I think it's really easy for us because we I imagine see the highlight reel of American and of those (laughs) movements and stuff. I think if you looked at the statistics of police shooting of African-Americans in the States at the moment, or if you asked an African-American in the States at the moment, if they feel like they're in a better position to this time last year, they'd probably have a relatively similar opinion to you. I mean, Mm. look at the Euros. Look what happened in England just a couple of months ago. So uh, unfortunately, we still have so far to go. And I agree with you, Marley, and I think that uh, individual athletes are probably better supported in those organizations internationally because I know I keep saying LeBron but he's the easiest example to use because of his financial position in the game it's really his call and his franchise has to follow what he says because if he says no and if you don't let me do it I'll walk away well the Lakers topple with him so there's very few athletes if any in our country who have that power within their as an individual within their sporting organization I think if you look at a Luttrell or a Josh Adokar or any number of indigenous players in Australian sport like if one of them stands up and says well if you don't let me do this I'm walking away that has a much smaller impact on that club and that company essentially than a LeBron or a Giannis or a Steph Curry walking out in the States. Can you think of an example where a player, an athlete of any kind of sport or code in this country has done something like that, has gone, I'm not doing it? Like, and I don't mean, I mean, Trell and Fox have been so, yeah, they've been real staunch when it comes to the national anthem, which I think has been amazing. But I think it's also, you know, to go, we're not taking the field. We're not, you know, yeah. or I'm not participating. I don't think we've had that. I mean, Adam Goods when he refused to go to the Hall of Fame this year, but that was very much after the fact, I guess. So yeah. it's so different. Yeah. yeah. And the damage was done there. So you exactly. just wonder how long it takes. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you don't want any player to have to carry that burden on them. I don't think, yeah, I, I don't want anyone to have to do that or feel like they have to do that. But I don't know. I, it just... We're still we're not very accepting of any kind of protest in in sport in this country. Like, yeah, just not choosing not to sing the anthem or not to, like, even the decision at the Indigenous All Stars game to not play the anthem was so controversial yeah. because none of the players wanted to sing. Well, I don't want to generalize, but a major large majority of the players didn't want to sing it because it doesn't represent us. Like that that kind of stuff. I don't know. We're, we're, no, I agree. We'll and I think, steps. again, like... We'll do, we'll, we will take small steps and we will take our small Ws when we can. Just at, like, the most surface level, financially, like, if the NBA turn around and say, okay, LeBron, we're finding you a million dollars if you don't take the court, it's pocket change. Like, yeah. our athletes here, it's just the small things that a lot of people don't think about in that if they get fined or if they get stood down or if their contract for the year gets ripped up, they're in a very different financial position mm, at the... Yeah base level let alone emotional position let alone the capacity that they have as an individual to bear that cross on behalf of a culture like yeah yeah it's so different here yeah it is it's a very different def- very very different context and we we're a smaller country and yeah i think you're I don't right i think we don't have enough time to um actually delve into everything <laughs> Yeah. I have just thought of one example, though. Oh. Remember when Tamana Tahu left the um, State of Origin camp because of the racism he was facing? Do you guys oh. remember that? Were you too we young were young. For that? I, was oh, like, I remember that. I was very, I feel like I was like 12. I remember, I remember that. it. And it was the definitely, you know, I don't think, I, I haven't personally heard his, his direct story of what happened there, but. You know, that was a that was a huge thing. That was massive. So, I mean, that's an example. That's the only one I can think of. But I'm sure that there would be other people who could come into our DMs and, and think of them as well. But at the very least, the we, point being, we got we got a way to go. And I we think- will keep moving forward. You the real MVP. Now it's time for a segment that we call MVPs, where each week we award someone or something our own personal MVP title for something that they've done that's brought us a bit of joy. 
Do you mind if I kick us off? You know what? I was going to say, I was just thinking, if you hit it to me, I was going to hit you with the reverse Uno card and say, <laughs> no, Marley, you're going to start this week. So, yes, please. Take Draw it. two <laughs> while you're at it. Yeah. Oh, that's kind. Draw four. My MVP is, and it's funny because you kicked off this episode talking about your mum, G-Moore. My MVP is actually my mum. And it's the second time that my mum's been the MVP on this <laughs> podcast. Do you love your mum? I do love my mum. But she was on fire this weekend. That's just passed for a couple of reasons. See, I don't know where you're going with this. I actually have no idea why you're calling her MVP. Well, you weren't here for some of it. You weren't uh, in the vicinity, right? So we talked a lot about that. Um, my my mum... In both lockdowns, so this time, like the one last year and then this one, something about the lockdown experience and the fact that all we've been doing is watching sport has turned her into a very passionate watcher of sport for the first time in our lives, which is quite ironic because she spent 14 years watching my dad play it professionally. And by watching, we mean drinking Drinking. while she was at the games. So she's finally getting into it, really passionate about it and has formed very strong opinions about certain players certain about people. a lot of players <laughs> and about a lot of things that happen on the field so it actually kicks off on Thursday night she was we were watching the uh, what was it Knights Titans game and she was um, quite she gets really passionate about you know making sure that the fullbacks don't get tackled too bad like she was like real cut I wonder up. why she thinks about that yeah obviously and so she was blowing up about that I think someone got tackled really bad she's like oh what are they doing that for so it started heating up on Thursday we get to Friday night it's the um, Chooks Bunnings game she is and we call her Deb Bennett because of this. I think we've spoken about it before. We gave her the title Deb Bennett because it started when we, we were watching our cousin Braden's games when he's playing for South. So Deb Bennett was on fire. The blow up that that woman had and held for 24 hours about what happened, not only with the Latrell Joey tackle, but also with the little push and shoves that happened with other players later in the game, the whole thing, she was so fired up. It was ridiculous. Deb Bennett doesn't stop with this, though, because on Saturday while we were watching the Giants netball game, before that, um, you may have seen on our socials that we were dressed up for our um, netball watching party. She came out in a full cycling kit, again, on fire, so passionate, speaking like she was a diamond herself watching the netball game as well. And I just think all up, it brought me a lot of joy and a lot of laughs in lockdown time. The woman truly is a multi-sport expert, as it so happens. I, I think you should be very careful about how you use the word expert. Yeah, quotation marks. But she she, she killed it this week. <laughs> she and I, a good crack. It's yeah. like the kid who gets the participation award. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My MVPs are the Afghani athletes who have finally made it to the Paralympics. Yay. So they, I'm, there's two of them. But I'm going to speak specifically about Hassan Rizzoli, who missed his 100-metre event but arrived in time for the long jump. My mum was talking to me about it and she said he did come last, but that's not the point. And I just think the resilience of these athletes to still be so dedicated to the cause and to get there and to represent their country and to give probably people from home a bit of joy in watching them and cheering them on – gives me goosebumps just talking about it i think they're amazing so yeah keep an eye out for their rest of their competitions amazing that's a nice wholesome one yeah um and on the flip side (laughs) my mvp um is skate parks (laughs) so um can i just interject here in the past week gilly has just baptized herself skater girl and is so (laughs) invested (laughs) (laughs) to be fair the whole Olympics, I admire skateboarding. We had skateboards when we were younger. We loved ripsticks. We weren't that good. I wasn't that good. I could. You do were it. better than me, though. Okay, I I can do it, right? Anyway, um, so the reason I was missing for the live action of the Friday Night Roosters South game is because I was at the local skate park with my friend Rory. Shout out to Rosa. I can't wait till some little kids like throw some massive shade at you at the skate park. <laughs> no, no, there are some older kids there. Um, Wait, am I still a kid? No, you're not a kid. Oh. You're 24. Am kid. I not an, an older kid? Grow up. Anyway, whatever. We went to the skate park. It was so fun and it was scary fun, but super fun. Only fell over twice. Um, got a bit of a bruise on my bottom. Do you wear elbow guards? 
No, I don't have them. I should probably get them. You should get knee guards as well. Um, no, I don't think these are the problem. It's definitely like I'm slipping. Wrists? Yeah, wrists, elbows. Um, but yeah, it was super fun. And I'm now going to buy a skateboard for Byron Bay New Year's. Nice. Now we come to our final segment of the show, which is our ones to watch, where we each recommend what sport, event, or even a Netflix show that you should be watching for the week ahead. Gmore, let's start with you. I have a Netflix show to recommend. A series, actually. It's a Netflix-produced series called Untold, and they highlight the stories of various athletes or moments in time. Um, I've watched a couple. One is Malice at the Palace, which uh, talks about the infamous 2004 incidents at a Michigan NBA game where players started fighting the crowd and it was all very hectic. But the one I want to specifically recommend is the Caitlyn Jenner story. Oh, Love her or hate her. I don't agree with her political opinions these days, but Bruce Jenner was a phenomenal athlete in his time and I think that was well before my time. I've only really known Bruce as... Chris Jenner's wife and then as Caitlyn Jenner so it was really interesting to go back and watch his story as Bruce Jenner the athlete um was this on Kim Kardashian's story yeah it did come out just this week so they're all posting oh, about it because I was like I saw it and I was really confused so I had no idea that he did that yeah so it's really cool she did that Caitlyn well know that she was an Olympian like that was the race I didn't know it was like full marathon stuff it was the decathlon come- yeah. yeah, yeah. I just didn't know. I'm sorry. It's, no, it's really cool because Caitlin in the documentary now, they spend a lot of time talking with her now and she says when people say she won the Olympics, like I didn't, Bruce did that and I never want to not, I never want to strip him of those achievements. They, oh, okay. He did cool. that. Cool. He won. Bruce Jenner, the male, won that and I will always honour that and I want everyone else to honour that too. So oh, it was like, cool. it's obviously really interesting to just in her journey as a trans woman and all of the above. So I think even if you're not a Kardashian fan, it's a very interesting story. But the whole Untold series, there's five episodes out now. They're all really interesting. So, yeah. My one to watch is the AFL semi-final playing this Saturday at 7.20pm um, between the Bulldogs and the Lions. Um, I well, Obviously, we're Bulldogs fans. I could so. be sick. Nervous, but excited. And also... You need to listen to Juicy Jake's new album on Friday because I'll be doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Get onto it. I just thought we spoke about it at the start. We need to speak about it at the end. Yeah, it's absolutely. Very important. Yeah, reinforce. Put it on the story. Friday, Drake. Saturday, AFL. Nice. Sunday, Netflix. Okay. And chill? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My one to watch is a bit of a different one because it's actually something to watch out for. We've had a few of these in the past, but this one is a bizarre kind of thing that's got a dog on on your phone it's just on the it's an ad it's an ad it's not about a dog dog. it's not about a dog so if you have heard or seen anything about this in the last well it would have been a couple of days by the time that this is released but bishop sycamore is a mysterious football team that got surprise airtime on ESPN against the best high school football team in the country over the weekend. But what has been revealed is that Bishop Sycamore might actually not be a high school. Um, And they may have duped ESPN to get on there. And it's apparently it might be full of like um, heaps of D1 kind of level players um, who are just fronting as a high school team. And it's very, very strange. And there's like lots of other elements coming out about it. So I'm recommending that we all keep an eye on this because it is so weird. It and sounds it, very interesting. Yes, Hasn't it and been like confirmed a fake high school? Yes. But yeah. there's but a lot of the articles that I was reading, even the ones that have come out today, so it's been about 24 hours since it all kind of got revealed, are still saying like allegedly, like I think they're still trying to 1,000% confirm. It's so you know, bizarre. I was reading it today so and I was like, how does this happen? I mean, only in America. Only in America can this kind of stuff happen. I think we need to keep an eye on it. It reminded me of the, um, the streaker guy that was your MVP not that long ago. Um, the cricketer? Yes. He did it again and he got to and the crease. And he got on the pe- I know. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, he almost needed so to be my funny. MVP again. What a <laughs> legend. And to me, it gave me similar vibes. Like, I mean, 
It's just different weird. because I think these guys are like have a bit more malice there and like are trying to make and like a lot of, of strategy. Yeah, and and like the, if you look into more about this Bishop Sycamore, like their school is like a blog page, and it's uh, it's weird. Anyway, it sounds like a movie. Yeah, I think it will probably be turned into a movie. Yeah, right. Because it's hilarious and bizarre, and it's like caused a lot of ruckus. So keep an eye on. I want to see what happens from here. How will they be punished? Like what's going to go on? But. That brings us to the end of the show, our 26th episode. 2626. Which is what I will turn in a two mere weeks. two weeks' time. Wow, I am old. Anyway, if you're listening on Spotify, make sure you hit that follow button and check out our official Chicks and Balls Pump Up and Country Music playlist. If you're listening on Apple, subscribe. And if you really like it, please give us a five star rating. That would be super duper fantastic follow us on instagram at chicks and balls pod on tiktok at chicks and balls pod and on twitter at chicks and balls no pod all righty have a great week look after each other watch some lots of sport on the weekend watch some watch some lots of sport i don't know slide into our dms if you've got anything to say we love hearing from you bye well done for sticking around that was the world's longest episode (laughs) 